he has a wolf. <laughs> Just as the real ones do. This should have like some some bad tines on it. Yeah, exactly. It's oh, tines that tines I, that don't. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was setting you up for that. I'm Adam Annis. And I'm Peter Martin. <laughs> You're listening to the You'll Hear It Podcast. Daily music advice coming at you. Coming at you today. We are sponsored by Open Studio. As always, we are live on YouTube. If you're listening to this on our audio podcast, join us on Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Open Studio YouTube channel. And uh, check it out because we're answering questions and we're having a really good time. We're playing some music. Yeah. And we're, uh, yeah. we're, we're welcoming in the week. We're trying. We're to. saying week. Come on in. I know some people think Monday is the second day of the week. I'm more of a, the week starts on Monday. We talked about this last week a little bit. Are, yeah. really, are we the week, regurgitating the same material now? The week 100% <laughs> starts on Monday. Yeah. Easily, yeah. I was, And I figured out how to program my watch to even say that too. Because they kept telling me like my mileage for this week was starting on Sunday. I'm Come like, on. you know, don't box me in, Garmin. Come on. Big shout out to Garmin. Sponsor. So what not we a, like not, to not a sponsor. <laughs> what we like to do here on YouTube uh, is answer your questions. We like to take your questions. We've had a, a variety of ways to take questions over the hundreds of episodes of the You'll Hear podcast that we've had. <laughs> and just to be clear, we've always been very nebulous about the best way to get them to us, which has caused endless confusion. So I think the live situation is the ultimate level. We don't really want you to answer <laughs> to ask us questions. No, of we course don't, we do. I we mean, just get confused. We're like you know. Yeah. Too, too many channels. So, but please come and join us on YouTube. <laughs> no, that's, We're confusing them again. I know, I know, it's half-assed. No, but you know what, the, the, I don't have my email in front of me, but we had some good emails recently, and that's always a nice way. If you want to send it in advance to yhi at openstudiojazz.com. But the best thing right now is just drop them in the comments. So we have some questions already. So one from uh, Vladimir. What's up, Vladimir? Can I have uh, taste advice? Mm. Yeah, totally. We can talk about that. Tenderly, 3-4 or 4-4. Four, four. So Vladimir, when you're cooking a steak and you want it nice and tender, <laughs> what you want to do is not cook it three quarters of the way through or even full four, four quarters. No, I'm just kidding. I was wondering how long you were going to keep. I know. I, that, that was 10 seconds longer than I was hoping. It was 10 <laughs> seconds longer than it was funny. No, it was pretty good. I'm laughing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I would not play tenderly in three, I don't think. Do you play it in three? No, the first time I ever had. I only know it in four. I mean, you can do anything in three, but... You know what? Maybe it's originally in three. It could be. I don't think so, though. That'd be strange. I'm going to look it up, Vladimir. So, yeah. So, the answer to your question for us is four. It kind of works. Yeah. But I think you've just converted Peter Martin. No, I mean, I I love it in four. You know what, too? I like it in... Is E-flat the original key? I just sort of jumped into that. I'm not sure if that's correct, though. I'm thinking D-flat. Tenderly. Let's hear Rosemary Clooney. Mm. On to oh, Joe. Come on. Oh, come on. Spring for the premium. Come on. <laughs> um, uh, auntie. The fun fact. Auntie to oh, George Clooney. Oh, boy. My favorite director. I've done my best work under George. Oh, we're about to get kicked off of YouTube. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We no, should. no, we, no, we're probably cool. Right. Oh, oh. In, in fact, 
in three <laughs> now watch we're gonna go check every recording is gonna be in three like we somehow oh. missed that okay great who was that that asked that vladimir okay bill evans i think does a three four see i'm telling you we're gonna get just exposed for our ignorance is that a right? st louis thing maybe <laughs> um actually i never play this tune so i don't know i, don't I know. love playing it I've, I've never thought about it in anything but three four <laughs> of course it's amazing it's the French way, Amy says. Ah, oh, c'est la vie. Le tenderly. Le tenderly. <laughs> Vladimir uh. says yes. So, um, I don't know how do we answer this either, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, Vladimir's from Serbia. Oh, man. My wife, is, my wife is a quarter Serbian. I got to tell you, I had such a, maybe I was, you know, we should do show and tell uh, sometime here at the You'll Hear podcast when we're doing the video Mondays because, man, I have some beautiful pictures from being in Serbia. I've been there a couple times, but I was there last like December or November. Some beautiful pictures along the river there I took when I was going for a run. I've so. never been, but you know, because my wife's Serbian heritage, my kids are Serbian. And so uh, right, have Ser- right. Serbian yeah. heritage, and so we want to take them at some point. And there's a little Serbian and Bosnian uh, connection here in St. Louis. For sure, a lot yeah, of yeah, folks yeah. Don't know about that. Oh man, the Serbian festival here in St. Louis is such good food. Yeah. Just FYI for our St. Louis folks watching, in case you're interested. Oh, Amy was saying, yeah, French is Monday. That that was she wouldn't even talk about tenderly. Sorry, uh, yeah. we'll we'll believe anything. Try five four. <laughs> Well, we nailed that question. Are you Let's playing it in E flat? flat? Shouldn't it be E? <laughs> just no, that's, just but I was saying D flat. What do you play it in? Oh, you say you don't play it. I've only seen you it. Hate I, this song. I mean, no, I've played it before, but only called, you know, at a, at a gig, never on my own, and it's always in E flat. It is E. Okay, yeah. yeah. But I think that there's a recording that I maybe even learned it from was D flat. Oh, sweet. Like a singer. Maybe tender. Maybe. Was, I've been working on, uh, you know that tune, What'll I Do, Irving Berlin? Oh, yeah. D flat. That's a That's good a D flat tune. What'll I do? Do, yeah. do, 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 do. Uh, this is from Ian. Question. Just like you find these lists of essential jazz tunes to learn, are there any essential solos every jazz musician should internalize? Which Ian is this? We got. We amazingly have a couple of Ians on here. Ian Saylor. Ian, Ian Saylor. Yeah. Um, essential solos. Wait, repeat the question. I'm trying to look at it because I'm so such it's a just visual by Vladimir's guy. question. It says, just like you find these lists of essential jazz tunes, oh, right? right? Where well, you, you see like, you know, 10 essential standards yeah. that every, you know, person needs to learn before they move to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, you know? right. Uh, what are those? Uh, are there uh, essential solos every jazz musician should internalize? I, I don't know if there's like a list. I know, you know. We should do that. I, we've talked about it mm. like the, the we talked about like solos to get you started right yeah. solos to really get it you in there for us we always go especially for pianists Wynton Kelly yep. uh, Freddie Freeloader um, it's such a singable solo it's so easy to learn I would say that and we talked about this a little bit last week like if you can go to um even just the start of some solos like Bill Evans, Autumn Leaves from Portrait and Jazz, you yep. know, uh, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, Bud Powell on Hallucinations or something like that. Yep. You can get a couple choruses in as a beginner. I would say that the ones that every jazz musician, not should internalize, but that you 
hear jazz musicians talk about the most are Fre- Freddie Fre- Freeloader. Yeah. I would say John Coltrane on Giant, Giant Steps. Yeah. Louis Armstrong, West End Blues. West End Blues. Now, and some sure. of these, I would say, it would almost be easier to come up with. Well, you could have like a top 10 just like West End Blues is like everyone. I mean, know it to be able to play it. That's a bonus, of course. But if you're a trumpet player, I mean, and you're like, oh, I'm a jazz trumpet player, and you don't know that solo, I would be a little bit like, not that you have to play in that style or whatever, yeah. but to me, that's kind of like, I'm a classical musician, classical pianist, and I don't know the Bach inventions. Right. And not only do I not know them, I haven't even heard them or can't like kind of, you know, Ooh. fake my way through it or something. Yeah. It's not a hard solo to hear. No. Like that is one that you could easily pick up. It's fun. fun It's super fun (laughs) and you learn a lot. Yeah. I would also say you could argue that, um, what was I just thinking of? Uh, Oh, like a Miles solo, you know, everybody kind of knows so what? Yeah. Right? Like the first, at least that first chorus, everybody can sing it. It's so So singable. So modal. It's so modal, which we have another question about. (laughs) That's a really good one. Um, Let's make a little mental note to because I was thinking about a fun YouTube video could be like the top ten greatest piano solos of all time, and you're not going to believe what number eleven is, you know, something like that. Uh, but but really, fun. The, the, I think the answer to Ian's question are there essential solos every jazz musician should internalize. I mean, they're essential albums that every jazz musician kind of references, but I think it's different, man. I think it's whatever you're into, you know. Every jazz musician I know. Wait, wait, now, now it sounds like we're contradicting ourselves. No, no, no. We, as far as we like, just got super dogmatic. We're like, these are the ones, and you're like, no. No, I was saying love, those are the most common ones. But I think once you get past, like, you know, like Charlie Parker, now's the time, right? Like the once you get past the essential ones, the essential ones, which is what he's asking about. Oh, <laughs> then I'm so done. the answer is yes. No, yeah. <laughs> but, you know what's what the problem was? We went beyond. He was just asking, is, are is there essential lists? And I would say yes. We, and then we got into actually saying what we thought they were. That's yeah. the more difficult part. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there is. I don't know. I think it's like I. But I feel like there. Maybe there shouldn't be. Just go with what you want, really. Okay. <laughs> so so no no to West End Blues. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you were at the new school, for instance, see, because I didn't go to jazz school, but I did go to a very dogmatic classical school, and there was definitely essential lists of repertoire, not only for your instrument, but that you needed to know, just like classical appreciation and maybe too much and maybe certainly too eurocentric i'm sure but wasn't there like a like kind of a list of gotta know solos or tunes or yeah depending it? on on what like track you were on or the class schedule you had yeah sure there was like I mean, was it depending on what robert glasper you could hear him practicing yeah, in the next room <laughs> yeah pretty much no i mean just like anywhere else it was like it had its own culture of what you know different clicks of what people were into or whatever but yeah. mostly it's like it's like anything else you relied on your private instructor you know, I remember when I, my first, the, who I first studied with up there was Bruce Barth, who I love Bruce so oh, much. Oh, yeah, Bruce. And, you know, he had me, um, he recommended a lot of monk transcription for me. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I forget which one it was now. Anyway, but like yeah. Solo like, monk or something? I know you used to talk about that. No, I think it was like. Um, <laughs> scoop dee haw, scoop yeah. hey haw. Oh, man. I'm going to get called out here. I mean, I was 20 years old, but. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I think we, we thoroughly confused that one, which is all good. Uh, here's, I got to, can we jump to another question? Yeah. Okay. Um, hold up. I had a good one here. Oh, this is from Devin. Adam, you look great. Oh, thank you, Devin. Okay. I don't I love that that's question. A, that's more a statement than a question, but it's a good one. It's a really great question. Yep. Yeah. Oh, whoa. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, do you have another one or you want me to pick the next question here? Uh, oh, here, Devin actually has a question beyond the statement. I started learning piano as an adult uh, and because, where am I at? Okay, I started learning piano as an adult and because of that, I'm missing the year spent on a sight reading foundation. Are there any good books for reading or should I just start learning classical rap? So, you know, it's hard to start learning classical repertoire if you're, if you can read okay, that's a different skill from sight reading, I think. To me, sight reading, and this might be a little controversial, so not only the jazz police, but the studio musician police might come, the classical musician police, my mother or father police <laughs> right. may, may sure. come down to the studio if they know how to get here. Rose and Bill just knock they, on the door. They like, may come what down. What are you talking about? Yeah, but I, I would say that sight reading is not a skill that is important unless you, in a professional or personal situation want or need to sight read now by that i mean you certainly want to be able to read music although to be a great jazz musician you do not have to read music at all that's true you know it's it's certainly useful and interesting and and you could certainly get yourself into situations where you'd be professionally be at a disadvantage if you can't uh, but i know some very good musicians quite a few in new orleans I, I for some reason but that can play incredibly they can play by ear. They can play everything that and more than most people that can read music. So it's just a separate skill. But sight reading is a separate then from just being able to read music too. Like that's the ability. And, and then especially we talk about as pianists, it's, it's, it's difficult because you've got two hands. You've got a lot of things that can, two clefts, two staves as it were. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my experience with this is that I've had a couple of times in my life where my sight reading was at a very high level, um, not the highest Ever, it's a muscle you can exercise. It's a muscle. You, and yeah. I can tell you right now, it is not at a high level. Mine neither. But I think, you know, we're not necessarily using it. I know I'm not really using it. I could get it back. It would take yeah. some work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just, it, it, if you're not doing, so the times when I could do it good is I was doing a bunch of like accompanying singers, classical stuff. Yep. Like when I was at Juilliard, it was required that you do that as part of your ensemble thing. So I just did it a lot. I was practicing it. I had some good kind of training and some techniques to do it but it's i haven't found it to be the most useful thing although in the jazz world i have gotten myself into situations where all of a sudden i had to read a little something yep and although i'm not a great sight reader i've done it enough that i'm confident that like okay i can do it i can't sit down and do it like on a classical level like an orchestral player but if you're not playing in an orchestra and doing it all the time or practicing it all the time you're not going to have it. Now, you could practice it, and I always say, like, you got to go to, if you want to practice sight reading, you got to go to stuff that you've never seen before. You can't keep picking up picking up the same book of sonatinas because you know those already, yep. and that's not sight reading. But I, w I would think first, um, who is it? This asked Devin, that um, what are the reasons that you would want to be able to sight read? Because to be able to, and like, you have a great course on this lead sheet. Um, breakdown yeah, yeah. lead sheet basics yeah, yeah. where you talk about how to take a lead sheet and that's would you would you consider that sight reading well you can sight read a lead sheet but most of the information that you're quote-unquote sight reading is is provided by you right? right so you just have the melody and the chord changes and you can make whatever you want to make out of it you know yeah. it could be or it could be yeah. whatever you want to do now if you're sight reading a full piano score as pianists it's the most difficult sight reading. Yeah. You have up to like six or seven notes at a time, yeah. two different clefts we're simultaneously reading. Oftentimes, as pianists, we have a, a another stave with whatever's going on that we're supporting because we're yep. usually accompanying in those situations, yep. that, especially that you and I would have to sight read. Right. So we have to see what the violin's doing as well. And yep. so there's just a lot of information to process. 
And like I said, and, and you were just talking about, it's just one of those things that you have to do. You have to get used to reading ahead of where you're playing. That's, I think that is the one thing every time I have to go back and I, I do a fair amount of sight reading because I'm lucky enough to get to play with some great classical musicians in like both that tango band, Quartango that I play in yep. um, and in the 442s or with those guys. And we've done some of the Claude Bowling stuff on some concerts and that was, you know, I had to work on it. Yeah, not my favorite, but I had to work on it and, and sight read. You know, you can't memorize the whole thing. Right, right. So you, you are reading a lot of it. And you just have to exercise that muscle of looking ahead, yeah, deciding deciding how accurate you're going to be about what's about to happen because yeah. you're never going to be 100% accurate when you're sight reading. Right? right. You, you have to let that go. In fact, speaking of the new school, I took a great sight reading course. Um, and, oh, man, I'm going to space on the guy's name, but he was a great Broadway pianist like a really good accompanist and played shows and and was an awesome sight reader i mean really one of these people you could put pretty much anything in front of him and he could just like make it sound great mm. and he was like i'm honestly playing about 85 percent of the notes on this page you know wow. that's how i'm able to i can see everything you know you get in these habits of you're looking ahead and you're seeing everything yeah as one but i'm making some decisions to like put some priority on the things that are important obviously the base and the top like the top and the bottom right yeah, yeah of whatever's yeah. going on are the most important but yep. you get big thick chords do the individual notes in there matter in a sight reading situation right not as much you know and and that's the kind of thing that you just have to get used to and accept if you try to go for perfection like if you try to get every note perfect and and disregard the rhythm yeah it's gonna suck yeah, and I'm, I'm just thinking like the Broadway guys can be really good, guys and gals, um, like rehearsal pianists and just keyboardists playing, and they are so good at doing this, uh, that that kind of skill of, of being able to take, um, to pick the parts that you can play if you're not able to read everything and, and to kind of be discerning as you go. And I remember I got a chance to work with uh, the wonderful Simon Rattle, such a fantastic Ooh. conductor on a kind of a jazz project. You know, he's a huge jazz fan and like a real jazz nerd and love. He hasn't done, I don't think he's done a lot of stuff, but he's very well versed in, in, in jazz and, and symphonic jazz as it were. But I remember we were kind of going over some of the material beforehand and he had the score and, you know, it was a rhythm section. This was with Diane Reeves and full rhythm section and the orchestra, Berlin Philharmonic. And he's looking at the score and we're like in his office, kind of dressing room. And he's like, okay, well, because we were trying to figure out, a, we had to cut it down for TV or something a little shorter. And he sort of sat at the piano. He's like, if we do that part, and he started playing the arrangement. He's sight reading the score. He's sight reading the score, exactly. Transposing the horns. Tra transposing. Yes. But he's also like, he knows how to like skip, like he's playing it. And then he'll catch a little part that's important. And I knew these. Actually, it was my arrangement. I was like, and he's skipping other stuff that's not actually that important. You can't play the whole thing. But he's playing enough of it. He's able to kind of read the chords. And I was like, man, that that is very, very high level. And conductors that's, are, that's kind of another Conductors are thing. smart cookies. Exactly. I think it takes some, some major cognitive power to yeah. conduct an orchestra. Some of the conductors are smart cookies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some of them are very good looking. <laughs> All right, cool. 